Hello! Hello! <laughs> Welcome to This is Uncomfortable. This, this, this is Uncomfortable. This. <laughs> we figured we'd give you guys a real short intro, considering yeah. last week we droned on forever before we sang hello. And then that way it kind of averages out to like a regular, like a one minute. <laughs> sure. Yeah, right? Something like that. So. This week. This, this week. week. Go ahead. We're going to talk about rebounds. On the rebound like a rubber band. Snap, snap. Okay, I don't know what any of that means. I do know that rebounds have a lot of material to look at because apparently everybody, everybody rebounds. Yeah. But I want to hear your opinions. Well, I think that there are several layers of this onion. Um, and it, I mean, it really depends on your state of mind, where you're at, what you're doing. Because I think you can have different intentions with rebounds, and the severity of them can be a lot different. Um, obviously, like, a physical rebound's kind of the most surface level. I mean, we all have physical needs. Absolutely. Itches that need to be scratched. And then there's, you know, deeper wanting relationships to fill a void or avoid your problems or... So one thing that I saw that really interested me today that I hadn't really thought of is that I sometimes... I really try to remember to be, like, holistic about, you know, everything you do, like, just to remember that there are many moving pieces and things, but I kind of forgot that you're grieving or, like, uh, recuperating after a relationship is also physical, and I forget that your brain and, like, the, the, the neural pathways that you create are literally, like, kind of defined by the habits that you make, and, like, that a lot of our brain chemistry is kind of reliant on, like, our environment. Like, if you're not in a stimulating I mean, like, I just... I'm thinking more of like um like when people's brain scans are like much like um less active like um if you stop learning kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah 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 so um it was talking about how if if so a way that a rebound one of the research things I was looking at was saying that if a, a way that a rebound relationship would work is if some aspect of it is better than the previous relationship because if it makes you ha- obviously this is this is from like psychology today so this is intending that not just like oh some like drunken hookup that you're also having like a weird like um codependent emotional like fling with because it feels good we're talking like if something is healthier and provides you with something better than the relationship that you were in like okay. as a rational relationship Which not is probably pretty unlikely very unlikely for a lot of the scenarios we're talking about because we're just coming out of our 20s so we're not talking like serious rebounds like adults do yeah um, okay. i think that it was what i really interested serious me about it adults do. <laughs> like adults is that a thing i, I can't wait i think so actually no i think what that's called is being ready for a new relationship very the, quickly difference of that (laughs) sure um but it was talking about how if it makes you happier in that way it will actually help your brain rewrite the neural pathway so that you like it's easier for you to be happy without your ex and that was something that I think I forget that it's not just that you miss them as a person after it's that you you are like you're physiologically used to a certain routine with them. Yeah, you get a dopamine hit when you see them or touch yes, them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's exactly kind of like a drug addiction where you're going through withdrawals and typically, you know, if you, if you reach back out to your ex or talk to them or whatever, you get that hit again and it just, it brings all the pain down a little bit and numbs you out. That's absolutely true and it's yeah. a really good way to like avoid things and I, I think especially if it's, if it's the type of relationship where you aren't on good terms with that person or... You've obviously, it does, you know, it is good and it's always healthy to have a strict separation for even, even if you are amicable about it, 
I do think that having an actual real separation is always really important because you just really need that time, honestly, probably for the same thing, to, like, rewrite those neural pathways and, like, teach yourself to function without them. It helps you detach. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I also think viewing it as kind of a drug addiction really, for me personally, makes it a tangible thing. It makes it something that I can kind of put a, a name to it and say, this is what's happening to my body this is how it's going to get better. I know it will get better kind of yeah. thing. It, it gives me hope just thinking of it as like this chemical reaction that's happening rather than, you know, a quote unquote broken heart. I think too, it helps you think of it as a process. It's like an illness that you're going through and it's like, um, you know, it could be like grief. It could be literally like an illness or, you know, there are stages to it and you can kind of like break it down for yourself. Absolutely. So what do you think about, um, rebounding, well, no, I guess it wouldn't count as a rebound, but I know that a lot of people go here. Um, when your rebound is your ex. Oh. <laughs> like it's not really like a rebound. Like you basically are sleeping with your ex after the fact? Yeah. Or like you're, you've dated someone else and now you're going back to your ex? Um, oh, dang. I guess those are two different scenarios. Let's talk about both. So in the first one, I think that wouldn't even really be a rebound because it's you're leaving that relationship. But it is a physical rebound because if you're not planning on getting back together... I would label that a relapse. Relapse. All right. Okay. Back to the drug. Yeah. Listen. If you kind of, if you map your progress or your evolution as a human on a timeline or like on a straight path, and you figure you take steps forward or you do you have actions that set you forward on that path and you have actions that pull you back on that path, I would say that that's one of those actions that pulls you back on the path. Interesting. And so you're still going to move forward eventually once you realize like either a your relationship can work if there are you know situations that change and you guys are willing to work things out and we'll move you forward or b you realize it doesn't matter how much sex you have or you know how long apart you spend and then come back together you're not right for each other that's still also going to set you forward so it's not necessarily derailing you off of that path of like evolution but it's it's pulling pulling you back pulling it's yeah i completely see what you're saying because i think um if it's part of the process of realizing that you might not be right for each other fully even though you obviously already broke up so that's kind of the first sign um i do think it's a it's a really good way to remember that you don't have to punish yourself for that if it's a good way for you to learn that this isn't what's for you and then you can like move on and know that for sure yeah and to kind of go along with that path analogy i think sometimes rebounding is your way of avoiding the issue altogether Mm -hmm. and that I think just halts your evolution altogether or that's what derails you and kind of gets you off of this path path of bettering your life becoming a better person all these things yeah so I think that one has um more potential I think well no I guess they're both kind of loops but I think that one hurts less people because in the other scenario that we're mentioning where you break up with someone else and then you go back to a previous ex that scenario I think Helps no one. <laughs> Helps no one and probably does not make your more recent... I mean, like, the thing is, is, like, if you broke up, you broke up. But your more recent ex is probably like, ah, I fucking knew it. Because yeah. it, I just feel like that's a very, um, that's a messy one. Well, it seems like if that's the case, then your ex never really left your mind or your heart. And so throughout the new relationship, you were still looking back at your ex and still wanting that. Because it's not like your ex disappears for four months and then you magically think like, oh, okay, they're back. Maybe it'll happen. I mean, yeah. I feel like those people never really leave your mind. That's you, true. You always think of them. That's absolutely true. And Unless it's years, in which case that's different too. Yeah, that's that's the thing too. Is it's just, it's weird to also, 
balance uh, sentimentalism and, like, having memories about people and, re- like, knowing that you are not meant to be with a person. I think yeah. those, are, those can be tricky for people sometimes. I think it's hard to not romanticize that you can change or they can change and maybe later on down the road when you're changed that you can fall back together and have this magical whirlwind romance where it's like, oh, we did in high school and then ten years later we got back together. Um, I think that's really rare, and I think that people often want that because I think it's comfortable, because they know this person, yeah. they know their lives together. Well, I'm also starting to think now that, like, that really honestly caught my attention. I'm starting to think if those are the formative years of your brain, and it's your first relationship, it's really easy to idealize, like, your first love, if we're talking about, like, oh, your high school relationship. Oh, yeah. But if we're talking about, like, oh, it already is how your brain wires itself for dopamine or serotonin or what have you, like, the validation that you get from your person, if that's happening in your most formative period of life, I think there might be even something um, more, like, more primal than you wanting to idealize, like, oh, yeah, like, this is comfortable, this is familiar. I think part of it really is, too, like, this is what shaped your idea of relationships. This is the standard you set relation Not the standard, but, like, this is the first one that, like, set the mapped bar. it out for yeah, you. Yeah, so if, if it set, set the, the bar. Exactly. <clears throat> it was the first time you lay any stake on the map. It was, mm-hmm. like, kind of where you started drawing a map for yourself, I think. Yeah. So I think there, it's kind of hard sometimes to not see that as, like, a... I think it's easy to fall back on that for that reason. Yeah, and I also think that you remember who you were when you were, I don't know, what, 18, 16, whatever. Yeah. And it's hard to take a step back and and think, okay, I'm way different than that person now. That person's way different than your boyfriend or girlfriend at that time is way different than they were now. Yeah. Who's to say you would even recognize one another, you know, emotionally? Well, I think that's a really big thing, too, is a really great way to uh, not do this is to remind yourself that the person you're thinking of is a memory. Like, you Mm -hmm. don't, if, you don't know who that person is now. And if I, especially when you compare it to, like, okay, what were you like when you were 18? Yeah, it might be easy to remember your memories from then, but the person that you were then is not the person that you are today. You have literally, I mean, in our cases, almost twice as much experience. And it, it completely changes how you think. So while you can relate to that version of yourself, you're not even going to think the same. So maybe that version of yourself did really love that person. And they, those two, those 18-year-olds would have been fantastic together. Yeah. But are these, what like, what's going on today? Who yeah. are you today? Do you even know who they are today? Like, yeah. do you even know? And this is a big thing for me that I started to realize about a lot of my friends, that uh, do you even know yourself well enough to be in a relationship and honestly for most of the people that I know that run from one relationship to the next they are not they don't know anything about themselves they are learning by trial and error which that goes back to I remember I that was one of my 30 rules from the 30 years is to not use people as a means to an end Mm -hmm. if you're using people as a means to an end you're not you're not they're not a they're not a peer in your life you have you have degraded them to a tool yeah and I think that's just they're an accessory to your exactly, life. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable how quickly people can change. I know I'm not the same person I was two years ago, and Absolutely. I think the reason why so many people have such a struggle with trying to find themselves, who they are, what, you know, label that person, is because it takes so much self-work, and it takes so much time facing all of your 
demons and your flaws and your skeletons in your closet and learning about yourself in a way that no one else can be present for it. Like, living alone, I feel, really teaches you a lot about yourself. Oh, absolutely. And living alone is really hard, especially if you're a social person, especially if you're an extrovert. Being alone is uncomfortable and scary and exhausting. I mean, if you're an introvert, it's a little bit easier, but still, you're still having to face the aloneness and... Just because you're alone doesn't necessarily mean you're evaluating yourself. Yeah. And I think that that's such an important and difficult task to obtain when you're growing up. Or just when you're existing at all. So, um, I actually remember very clearly when I was 19 years old, um, I was, that was, I think I brought it up before when we were talking about vulnerability. That was like, I had like a very major nervous breakdown that summer and, um, it, I mean, there were just a lot of things going on in my life, so it, was, it wasn't even... All, I wouldn't even call it, like, a clinical, like, actual nervous breakdown. Sure. It was just, there was just so much going on that I was not thinking clearly, and I had just recently moved out, and I did not have a roommate yet, and my plans fell through for that night. It was summer. Um, I, was, I had, like, just moved back to Sacramento. Um, a bunch of my friends were in town, and I remember my plans had changed really last minute, and I, like, couldn't... I didn't have anything to do. And I sat, um, I don't know if you ever came to that apartment, but it was the apartment me and Amanda lived in. Yeah. I um, I sat in my parking spot in my car. I, I, there was not a stick of furniture in that room. There was like the mattress on the floor and I think I had a couch in the, well, I guess, yeah, there was a stick of furniture. There was like a couch, (laughs) there was a couch in the living room and then a mattress on the floor in the room. And there was, I, my cat was there, which I guess I wasn't alone, but I, I sat in my car and I cried for maybe an hour because I didn't want to go upstairs. I'd grown up with, like, family all around me. Um, I'd had tons of cousins my whole life. And I've just had a very close relationship with my mom my entire life. And I didn't realize that I had been avoiding. That I had never been to my apartment by myself. That, mm-hmm. I, hadn't, that, I, that I had been avoiding anything at all. Yeah. And, like, I always, any time that I try to, like, you know, not... Any time that I get too comfortable with uh, thinking that I like my alone time and that I like, oh, that I, I really want this downtime. I remember that night and I try to remind myself, even if I can't feel that same exhaustion and fear and loneliness yeah. and I can't put myself back in those feelings exactly, but this is going to sound, I don't know if this makes sense, but it, I can remember how those feelings felt, not sure. how they like physically feel, but it's, it's enough to honestly really remind me to reach out to people because the, the depth that you can go into in your own human psyche is honestly terrifying. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's a really, that really kind of underlines a, a main reason people probably do this is because especially after you lose one of the closest people in your life or lose your relationship with them, and you how feel are your, you You not? feel your lowest. You feel your lowest. You feel the most alone. Yeah. Yeah. On top of that, like, no. <laughs> the amount of times, I've spent a great deal of time alone and the amount of times I've spent walking around my house just crying into a cup of tea or to uh, into a Netflix series or whatever is not my favorite moment <laughs> not not something i want to admit yeah. but it's so important it's it's so hard to get through those moments alone because at the end of it you realize you're going to get through it you realize you're going to come out the other side stronger and you're going to have a moment where you go okay that moment's passed i'm feeling okay now i can keep, you know, pull myself together and move forward. And I think it's... Do you mind my asking if, um, if 
though, like, if that crying is um, from, like, your recent relationship or if it's just general loneliness, because living alone is hard, like you're saying. Because sometimes, honestly, like, if I'm by myself long enough, I'll just cry because I don't... Dude, it's... It, it seems silly to even admit that out loud because I know that at in within seconds I could text someone or call someone or just drive to my parents' house or a friend's house and have a companion. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if it's just me being stubborn or me being, I don't know, a, having a pity party, but there's been both moments. There's been moments where I'm mourning the loss of a life that I had and I'm, and I'm also um, just sick of being alone and feeling like I don't have... A person, or yeah. you know, I don't have like a roommate or like my my go to one person. You know, it yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be a partner. Yeah, yeah, and I think honestly, um, in different phases of my life, I think that feeling is easily one of the loneliest feelings in the world is knowing that you have people, but wanting your person, and it yeah. doesn't. It really, it really doesn't have to be a partner because when I think of that, like. I think also, too, when you're when you're lucky enough to have more than one person like that, like when you can have a person who's a sister and you can have a person who's a partner and you can have a person who's like a best friend and like or like a person who can be a mentor, like having those people in different parts of your life is absolutely magical. And it's something we can we should all be so grateful for. But that's the thing is that's already so rare. So when you feel like you're whittled down. And it's honestly, like, for me, it's like, oh, I've been home for a couple days and I haven't seen anybody for a while. And even though I know my people are out there, and I exactly like you're saying, I could text them, I could I could drive the 10 minutes to my mom's house. It doesn't matter. It's it's the fact that in that moment, you're already lonely in your own mind. And it, it's I think it's just hard to break away from that. And something that I think about a lot, I think, because I, I grew up an only child, is that um, I've, a lot, I've, I've had a few friends like disagree with me about this, but I feel like... There's a lot more about the human experience that is just inherently lonely than a lot mm-hmm. of us are willing to look at. Oh, yeah. um, but I think once you confront that, it makes it... Like death? Exactly. Well, I think death and life. The fact that like we're all doing this together, but we're not, we're not doing this yeah, together. Yeah, you don't want to know what I'm feeling and thinking at any moment. You, no. You can't experience my life the way I'm experiencing my life. And it doesn't matter yeah. even your person. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, like having your person, even that closest person to you, they're not going to know what your experience yeah. is. So even even if you have your family and a bunch of people around you and, you know, a network, you can still feel so lonely yes. because I feel like that's the natural state of yes. being a social creature that doesn't have a hive mind. I think, honestly, that's the big thing is, like, we don't have a queen ant. Yeah. I honestly <laughs> think if we all had a hive mind, we'd feel better, which I yes. think is why we all get so addicted to social media. Yeah. But... Outside of that, like, rebounds would make perfect sense because if you're already lonely, like, this is the one thing that you know you can do. It's like, oh, the one thing you're free to do that you weren't free to do before is find validation with someone. Yes. Why aren't you going to go find validation with someone? Listen, I've learned after years of experience and feeling negativity from it that rebounds aren't my thing, but they make so much sense why you would do it because it is such an immediate relief from what you're feeling and it is such a good way to have validation, have attention, have compassion, have, you know, someone just have their attention on you and not feel so alone anymore. It makes sense. It makes total sense. It makes perfect sense. I just wish there was a way, again, we're going back to uh, treating people as a means to an end. I've actually thought about this before. I wish there was a way to just create a dating network or, like, a dating app 
that was literally people who both knew they were rebounding and they could be open about it. Not because they're like, oh, I'm not over my last relationship, but they could both know that they were in emotionally vulnerable states because I feel like that might be the only way to to divert from the fact that, like, okay, yeah, uh, I, I completely agree with you. There are so many reasons that they make perfect sense. But if the other person's not on the same page as you, it's inherently objectifying, rude. Yeah. it's rude, it's dishonest. It's just not kind. Do you think that that would actually be successful with that kind of transparency? I mean, I would in my ideal world, but I'm much more honest and upfront than a lot of people I know, so I don't think so. What do you think? Do you think that... Um, part of the allure of a rebound, um, is that there's hope that it might turn into something serious and replace the partner. Absolutely. So that is actually probably why it would fail because one of the things I was reading about was that people really like that (laughs) people go into those really hoping that that is going to be their next relationship. A lot of people don't rebound consciously. A lot of people are like, no, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. I'm dating again. You know, I'm dating again, but a lot of people honestly... I don't really know if there's just that time that you should wait before you date again. It really is just about, like, when you feel ready. Yeah, but I think it's very personal. a lot of people mistake their loneliness for readiness. Oh, yeah. Where instead of being like, well, no, like, I wouldn't want to be with anybody. It's like, no, you, you're lonely and you're bored. That doesn't mean that you're emotionally, like, capable right now of mm-hmm. caring for another person. You haven't even sorted your feelings out yeah. about your childhood or your mom or your elementary school bully <laughs> Or your last three relationships. Yeah. So, like, what makes you think that, like, you, you're going to just work out this relationship by using another person to... Yeah. Yeah. I think it's definitely a very tricky area. But it's also really hard to figure out when you are truly ready. And I think every person is going to be different. But for me, I... When I find myself in those moments where I'm just smiling just because I'm so genuinely happy to be in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like, every night... I go in my backyard and I sit out there and all the animals come out there with me and I just listen to the wind chimes or the birds and the trees or whatever and it's like right around sunset and it's so calm and peaceful and I find myself smiling a lot of time just because I'm so damn happy. Yeah. I think in those moments, okay, am I ready to let someone else into my life in this moment and share this with me? And typically it's such a sacred moment for me and it's so peaceful and that's like my sanctuary Yeah. that if the answer is no, I'm not ready to have someone share this with me, that I know I'm not ready to date. That is absolutely beautiful, Katie. I Thanks. honestly, I, that's, that is such a great way to think of that because I think like that is your most vulnerable and like peaceful time. That's the one place yeah. I want no one to disturb and ruin for me. That is your sacred space. Yes, yeah. exactly. And like it, what better indicator would it be of like, oh, I want you in my space. And I fully, I remember when, um, <laughs> well, I kind of got set up with Sam, but not really. It was like we had a mutual <laughs> friend and we met in real, like we met in person and then he asked his friend about me, but I remember one of the things she said is that he had, I mean, he did, I always, like, wondered, I, like, like told Sam once, I was like, I always thought I was your rebound, because he, like, it was, like, pretty recent after his last relationship, and I had, like, I had not been in a relationship for a long time, but I also had, like, a very fraught, complicated relationship with my ex, so, like, it had been over for a while, but it hadn't really been over for a while, so it was yeah. just, like, um... Him saying this to her, kind of, I remember, it. like, this was what drew my attention about, like, her telling me about him. She's like, yeah, you know, like, she's telling me about him and, like, what he's like. And she's just like, um, you know, he's really nice. He likes this. And, you know, I just, the last time we were talking about it, he just said he was really ready to, like, be with somebody and, like, share, like, the things that he likes to do with and, like, have somebody to do them with. And which is, especially as you know, Sam, like, that is what we do. It's like, oh, yeah. the things we like to do together. But it's, I think that's an indicator 
that's a really like it's exactly what you're saying it's a really great indicator of being ready that it's not that you need someone or you want someone to fill these moments with you it's this is your space this is what you already have and what you love and you want to share that with someone yeah. and i think building what you have and what you love first is is the kind of changer in those yeah. scenarios if you're willing to share I mean, because if you're sick and you just want someone to take care of you, it's very easy to want to let someone in in that moment. Mm-hmm. That's that's typically when I would seek out just immediate affection or something from a friend or whatever. But if it's in the moments where you feel the most, like, settled and grounded and in love with yourself, um, I think that that's a really good, you know, idea of your gauge of when you're ready to let someone in your life. Absolutely. I think it's really hard for people to confront that they make bad choices when they're upset because I think it's really hard to confuse things being done to you or happening to you versus you instigating more chaos in your life by, like, making you responsible. Yeah. That's the thing, too, is, like, I remember those years I was telling you about that I lived with uh, before Amanda lived there, but just, like, that period of time, I kept asking, I would ask myself, like, every week, like, why can't I catch a break? Like, why? Like, this is crazy. All of this is random chaos and all of it's falling on me. No, it's not random chaos that your car got towed twice. You parked in the wrong spot and you know that it was marked that way and you thought you were going to be quick and you forgot and you didn't move your car. Your car got towed. Yeah. The next week, you let somebody drive it that you knew you shouldn't have let drive it. Your car got towed again. Chaos is not following you. You are making impulsive decisions. Yeah. I think that rebounds are, like, very... Very because I think they include another person. It's it's really easy to mistake them for something else because the person walks and talks. They're not an object. It's not like you you know yeah bought like an well, impulse car. Or it's something. easy. It's easy to tell yourself I'm not rebounding or if you if it's even in your mind. But it's easy to tell yourself I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to have this relationship again. And you have to step back and realize okay I'm coming from a place where I ended a relationship where we were however long months, years into it, and we're at a level of seriousness, I'm not going to get that from someone I meet in the next few days. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to go from zero to 60. I'm going to start out with the, what do you do for a living? What's your favorite color? Uh, you know, what do you like yeah. to do? Those repetitive things that you say on first dates. Yeah. You're not going to go straight to intimacy. Yeah. And I or think... you might, but it's not going to be the same. It's, you know, it's going to be intimacy, intimacy without passion. But I think that, okay, so one of the other things I saw in an article was talking about how what people are doing in a lot of those scenarios is immediately trying to find a substitute for that intimacy because that's what they're missing. It's not really... So a lot of the reason that, like, oh, they talked about, like, oh, uh rebound relationships moving very quickly and like when you see a relationship like that where somebody's like oh they like met somebody and like oh they happen to be in a long-term relationship but wouldn't you know it the next week after they broke up he just happened to meet the love of his life like yeah you say i love you within two weeks yeah because you're you're head over heels with the possibility of regaining intimacy yeah you are not you are not in love i mean you know honestly what like through what is it like a once in a very very rare blue moon it is a relationship that works that's yes. fine there's always that's there's great. always one in a million fantastic i really hope that you are that one scenario i really hope it works for you but for most people doing that and funneling your emotional problems into like a lovey-dovey relationship is only going to hide your frustration for so long yes and then like there are going to be a lot of insecurities that come fizzling out because you've never dealt with them yeah like I've said in um, the Heartbreak podcast, mm-hmm. like you, Heartbreak podcast, the Heartbreak episode, you 
still need to acknowledge and, and recognize and work through the issues you had in your last relationship. You still need to look at yourself as a partner yeah. and see the areas that you really loved and the areas that you know you can improve on. Like, you can't just, you know, repeat the same things. It's not like that baggage goes away when you meet some new person yeah. and they are great. Like, yeah. I do remember for a long time when Sam and I first met that we, like, we talked about, I was like, well, we both really have a lot going on and I really want to still be, like, my independent person and I really want to figure out my stuff, too. And so it was, it's not that it moved slow, but it, we, we definitely kept each other at arm's length because it, there was a lot of self-work to be done. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes what happens, even, you know, what might cause the rebound, like, in, like, super long-term relationships is sometimes you might forget that you're a separate person and that you constantly need to work on your own issues. Yes. you have your relationship issues, for sure, but you also are your own person having yeah. your own experiences and if you're not confronting those and resolving them all the time, I'm not talking about your childhood stuff, like, there's stuff that happens to you every day that, like, you don't have to, like, psychoanalyze everything that happens to you. No. But it is good to understand yourself and check in with yourself. If you're seeing things repeating, yes. I think that's so important to recognize. Yes. I'll tell you, when I was younger, um, I could tell when I really needed to check in with myself because I was seeking out people that I felt minimal connection with but were fun to hang out with in the moment absolutely so outside of us being in physical proximity to one another we didn't speak interesting and that includes sexual partners yeah 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 so but that's the thing is like you you know what your your brain is so weird because it's just like even when you don't know why you're doing things you are seeking out exactly what you need in very like weird like twisted ways almost So it's just really interesting to know, like, oh, the, exactly what I need is, like, a little bit of familiarity, low-stakes intimacy, yeah. and somebody who doesn't know a lot about me. Yeah. And I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, I had a whole different group of friends the last time I had, like, a serious breakup. Because yeah. it was, and I remember, like, looking back on it and, like, noticing that all of them were, like, the same personality type. They were, like, very strong, very independent women. And I literally, I remember kind of realizing one day that I had been placing them around me to protect myself yeah. because I didn't know how to cope and I was just like oh I'm gonna learn from these people so I think which I think is good to do it's good to do as but long those as are not friendships yeah That's, when you do that to a, a person who you this person will teach me how to love correctly you are using that yeah. person as a means to an end that person yeah. unless what you're both doing is like I'd love to pursue a healthy relationship with you that's just very different than I'm gonna learn how to do this with this person that's just yeah. let them yeah, know. Yeah. I think that's the thing is, like, it's, a lot of this is communication. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so is everything. Though. Yes, that's life. <laughs> exactly. So, oh. so how do you feel about the argument that um, if I don't start dating pretty quickly, um, I might miss the person? Like, I might miss the, the right one. You should... F- oh, miss the right person? Yeah. Like, no, that's like, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I don't mean this... Okay, that's... I shouldn't have said it that dismissively. Um, what I mean by that is that um, I don't believe in a one for people. I do right. think that there are absolutely, like, there's people that you yeah. click with that you will never click with other people like that. I don't necessarily mean the one, but I mean if you don't start dating and just date a lot immediately or very quickly after your breakup, you might miss a person for you. A person for you. Um, I think that that falls into, like, a trap of believing in fate and also believing in free will, but that, like, clash of them kind of really... 
That like I, the timing has to be the perfect. The timing blah, has blah, to be blah, perfect. Blah. And the thing is, is like honestly, one thing that I've learned in life is you are always exactly where you're supposed to be. It might not be a good place, it might not be a bad place, but the thing is is you either got yourself there or you need to be there to learn the lesson. Yes. So I just think that what I mean when I say that, like, oh, you wouldn't, it's not possible for you to miss the one, is that if what you need is to take that break, that the person that would have dated is like, oh, if I, jump, if I don't jump right back in and, like, find a relationship, that person who's looking for that relationship is not going to find a healthy one. Because who you would have been if you'd wait, I mean, I'm speaking for myself because I, I know I take a long time to process things, who you would have been if you'd waited and, like, gotten to know yourself again and started, like, Spending time with yourself. Yeah, I really think it's very important to spend time with yourself, especially after a breakup, because a lot of people like that loneliness we're talking about, they don't want to hear quiet. One one thing Sam and I like laugh about a lot is he'll come in when I wake up early, I'm downstairs and I'm sitting in silence usually. Mm. usually. I'm like either, I'm sometimes I'm not doing anything. Sometimes I'm just petting a cat. But I sit in silence or like I'm on my computer or something and he needs to have the TV on in the background. And I think that 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 really, there's a lot to be said about how that is a behavior that so many of us have. Like, we can't even... It's like sleeping with the TV on. You can't can't even have the quiet of your thoughts. And that's that's very common. Running running with headphones on. Exactly. Yeah. Which is needing to work out or have headphones at work, which I'm guilty of that. I I love listening to music at work. Well, I think a lot of them, too, are like social handicaps or social crutches. Yeah. Because it helps you. I mean, honestly, for women, though, let me tell you. Yeah, in the gym, woman, I want to be left the hell alone. Yeah, if you're like, a woman and you're in the me. gym or you're on a bus or you're at a bus stop or you're waiting for your class to start and you've got your headphones in and somebody makes you pull them out because they want to ask you a question, especially if it's a dude or somebody trying to hit on you. I get male or hella mad. Yeah, or the hmm, while you're reading, what are you reading? Okay, that's not always. But when it's meant as a pickup <laughs> line, I'm like, you yeah. really think this is going to... The one person that I'm not going to humor, well, first of all, nobody. I'm married. Second of all, <laughs> if I wasn't, I would never humor you if you were going to interrupt me while I was reading my book. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry that I got off track, but that's always upsets me. I just think there's a lot of social cultures that show that we have... Well, we it's, a, go it's to a non-verbal measures. cue. Yeah. It's like, it's a non-verbal cue that you need to acknowledge and recognize. If I'm not sitting there making eye contact with you and smiling, I probably don't want you to approach yeah, exactly. me. And that's not because I am rude or not social. I just it's don't want that It's because in that right moment, now. I'm not really feeling like engaging with human beings. Yeah. And I think that too is, I mean, these all connect to each other too, because that goes back to like what we feel like we're entitled from other people. Like, what are we owed from other people? Absolutely nothing. nothing. People don't owe you anything, which is... Another reason that if you're not upfront about being maybe vulnerable for a rebound, it I just feel like that just would say I'm always the person to say like oh just talk about it, but yeah. I, it would save you trouble if you both knew you don't have to say you're my rebound. I just think if that person knows that you're emotionally vulnerable, and I would hope that somebody that you're dating knows that something about where you just came from because I feel like it's yeah. a very common conversation early on I think that um for the reverse of that if you, you hear that this person just got out of a relationship not too long ago you kind of write it off do you um I have in the past you write but do you mean write off like um like you ignore it or you write them off no, 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 you, you, you ignore it. You kind of, you, you rationalize it and validate it as something other than a red flag. Yeah. Um, I do, I've, I find that I definitely did that myself, mm-hmm. but now 
when my friends are like, like what, anytime I, I see scenarios when you're like, if they're obviously outside looking in, it's always easy to just judge and, you know, have your opinions. But you always are very aware of like, oh, from a distance, I can tell that is a rebound because you were not ready when you broke up with this person. Yeah. And I think that's like a, it's easy to, to see that from a distance, but up close, it's really hard to see yourself in, if yeah. that makes sense. Are you the kind of person who will call people out on them with their rebounds or question them to see if they are aware of it? Or do you kind of just let live and let live? I would like to say that I would confront them, but Let's I, say close, like, top five circle friend. You know, still, I, I tend to be the person who, like, I talk a big game about being, like, very, very honest, but I, I do walk on eggshells on some things. Because if, if I feel like it's going to alter my position to be able to be this honest with you, I'm going to be either very kid glove about it or I'm going to be unbelievably gentle about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do find it hard to just... When I was younger, I would probably just snap and be like, this is, this is what I think, you're doing the wrong thing. I think now I try to kind of lead the horse to water. Again, you can't make them drink, but I really try to make it very clear. You know, if you ask your friend the right questions and you ask them the right things about the situation, you always know too. If somebody's asking you certain types of questions about something, you know what they're trying to figure out about the situation. They want to know, like, are you over it? Are you you Like, you can pick up on what people are trying to get from you. What about you? I'm definitely the kind of person that will ask, do you think you're ready for that? Or... Mm -hmm. Do you feel do you feel ready for this? How does it make you feel? I'm very yeah. much I'm a big proponent of how does that make you feel, which makes you sound like such a therapist. But yeah, but I mean, I ask that cool. all the time with my friends. How do you feel about that? I think that's a great question to ask. And um, I, of course, if they ask for advice, I will give it. Otherwise, I support their decision. You know, I think you phrased it very well because I do. I always want to know that. But then I stop because it's not. That's I'm not, not my here. place to say. Yeah, if you, you ask if, me, yeah, if you ask me, am I doing the right? What do you think about this? Do you think I'm doing the right thing? I will give you my opinion. You don't have to follow it, like many people don't. But if if you're not asking me, I'm not going to provide it. I will ask you, how do you feel about that? And then if I think that it's becoming a, a big issue, like yeah. you're, you're straight up hurting this person, I will ask, how do you think they feel about it? Yes. And then that's basically where I stop. Yeah, and because the thing is, yeah, you need to acknowledge this other person exists and has feelings and is either potentially being hurt by what you're doing or super on board with it, and it's good to be aware of it. It's good to talk about it. It's good to think about it. If you've never even, if you've been asked that question, what do they think about it, and you have no freaking idea, at least at that point forward, you're going to be thinking about it. At least it has occurred to you that they are also part of this. Yes, I think it's very easy for people to forget that life is not just happening to them that there is more than one of us out here and that yeah. the rest of us are not, again, this is like a big theme for me, the rest of us are not extras in the movie about you. All yes. of us are in our own movie. And Absolutely. It's a very, very tricky thing to work around, I think, with most relationships. You do you do whatever you need to do to make yourself happy so long as you are being aware of others and not hurting them. Yeah. Whatever that may be. If it's not hurting anyone else and you're being aware of it and taking that into consideration before you make actions before you make decisions, good for you. Yeah. That's honestly the best we can do. Seriously. So one thing I was thinking about, too, is how a rebound differs between, um, I think I mentioned this earlier, about being the one who ended the relationship versus a rebound uh, as the one who it got broken up with. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of the, some of the things that I wanted to ask you about is um, if you think that they are... I 
So the thing that I saw said that it was just more likely for it to be a healthy rebound that would actually work out into a relationship if it was the person who ended the relationship because it's more likely that they're in a better emotional place to make a choice like that. Interesting. But I also started thinking about how I would assume, honestly, and this might just be like my reckless ass, but I just assumed that like the person who would get broken up with would more likely go for like a codependent like emotional rebound while maybe the person who broke it off would go for more of a physical rebound because they would be, like, mentally just, like, working things out. Maybe that's just, like, a specific state. That's well, like, specific people, probably. Um, if you kind of try to think of it in the terms of those people's emotional states or mental states, when the breakup happens, the person who's doing the breaking up um, probably has been thinking about it for a while and has mm. been somewhat checked out of the relationship for a while and ready to move away from it, has acknowledged a while ago that this is not healthy or it's not what they want, it's their decision. You don't get to that decision in one day if you're... Yeah, if you're unless, it's super, sure. unless it's super unless it's, traumatic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you found out they were cheating or yeah. you found out something unforgivable about them, like, I don't know, they're a pedophile. Yeah. But um, I think that if you're being the one broken up with, it really takes a hit to your self-esteem yeah and it's not something that you wanted you still want to be with that person or you thought you wanted to be with that person absolutely you were you were you know face forward down this path and wanting to keep going and now you know whether you see it coming or not they've taken this step to acknowledge that they no longer want them in your life yeah or they no longer want you in your life and i think that's whether you <sighs> so can traumatic. get over it fast or not like that's a huge hit to your your ego Dude, it sucks. Being human is so traumatic. Yes, it's uncomfortable. I don't... It's so uncomfortable. <laughs> so one of the questions that I had asked was literally just, like, why do we do this? But it does, it, it does make sense. It's literally just... It's, it's the crutch of that. It's a new high. It's a new... It is. It's a replacement high. Eh, relapsing. Yes. Yeah. It is. It's, um, it's really... If you think of it from a purely chemical level, it's getting your dopamine and serotonin levels back up. Yeah. Do you feel like you have made a habit of rebounding in the past? Um, I really don't think so. I think that when I was young, in my early 20s, I did, just because I didn't know who I was and I wasn't confident in myself and I needed that validation. Mm -hmm. But now that I've done the work, I've spent the time alone crying around my house, (laughs) (laughs) I know who I am and I know that's not for me and I know that if I do that, I will leave feeling worse than before. I'll leave feeling more empty. I'll, I'll feel kind of gross like I just used someone yeah I just I've done the work and I know it's not for me yeah and um I mean I still hold no judgment to people who do it I get it I completely get it um I think even with this last breakup there's been times where I've thought you know it would make me feel good in this moment maybe I should do it and I've just chosen not to yeah but it's, it's hard to get to that point. It's hard to get to the point where you're like... Well, it's still vulnerability, I know dude. this high would be awesome right now. Like, I'm hella horny, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it'd be great to have this itch, this itch scratched, but... Yeah. You know, to just Companionship, kind of, touching, affection, yes. validation, orgasms. Yes. All of those sound fantastic. Yeah, I would like all of those, please. Yes, yes, I'll have please. one. All of the yes. above. Yes, I'll take it all. <laughs> one of those. Yeah, one of each. <laughs> So I think to, um, back to what you were saying about being in your 20s when you were doing it, I think you hit on something that's kind of important for rebounding and for other things, is that you said that you didn't know who you were and you were still trying to figure that out. Do you think that it was, because then you immediately said, and I needed that validation. I think those are two separate reasons to do that. I think 
there's a way to do that. Well, I think now I'm talking more about like casual relationships because that would be, um, that would be more what I meant with, um, finding out who you are or figuring out who you are. Okay. But I do also think early on when you're in your twenties, sometimes a rebound is not all, I mean, you get validation from it and that feels great always for sure. But what if sometimes it is about being young and like wanting to get immediately get back out there because you're like, oh shit, I don't know anything about myself. I don't even know what I want. Yeah. I think when you're young and it, you have less serious relationships, you're not necessarily looking for a life partner. You're looking for, you know, a boyfriend or a girlfriend to be committed to. Mm-hmm. Someone um, to dry hump. Yeah. Maybe it is easier to, to bounce back essentially. Um, but I think that you could probably make a pretty clear distinction between whether you're rebounding and you just think this person's hot and you want to fuck them, or if you genuinely see a relationship with them um, for the long term. Because I, personally, with my experience, I know within a couple days or a week or two if this person's a rebound or not. Yeah. Like, they start to irritate me after, like, four days. Yeah. That's probably not the person I'm going to end up with. No, exactly. Absolutely. I think that's another important thing, too, is one thing that we tend to forget in our loneliness, one thing that our rebounds and our blinders are immediately going to hide from us is that we immediately lower our tolerance and standards for our chemistry with people when we're lonely. Yeah. You know exactly what it feels like to click with a person. You know what it feels like to, like, to share a special type of sense of humor with a person. You know what it's like to, within an hour of meeting someone, to, like, have an inside joke with them because you both have the same sense of humor. Like, when you've... I think... Obviously, not everybody knows these things. These things are, like, when you've had, like, a few relationships and you know what, like, does work for you and what doesn't work for you. You yeah. know what real chemistry looks like. But I think it is so easy for people to just ignore that shit when they're looking for other things. Like, all yeah. of my friends on dating apps, all of my friends who are swiping left and right and, like, going on a lot of these casual dates are also, like, I th- I think it's sometimes a lot easier to know within the first couple days of knowing somebody not if you're going to marry them or not, but whether or not this is a, this is the relationship that you should pursue. Like, yeah. you can kind of, I don't know. I feel like there's a chemistry you can feel. Well, and the more you date and the older you get, the more you can narrow down what you want in a partner, mm-hmm. what you want in someone you want to spend a majority of your time with. You know, when you're young and 20 and dating for the first time rapidly like this, you kind of date so many different people yeah. that you need to, you need to figure out, okay... I don't like this item, I don't like this item, I don't like this item. You're really narrowing it down. Now that I'm 30 and I'm going to start dating eventually, I know in a pretty narrow spectrum of what I want. Yeah. You know, I want someone who's driven, who's compassionate, who cares about animals, who loves dogs, who... You know, I have this laundry list of things I like a partner. Yeah, and you know, there's things in there that are obviously not movable. Like I would never date a smoker ever again. Yeah. But I mean, there's things in there that's like, okay, well, they can like cats instead of dogs or whatever. Like, there's there's movable (laughs) there's there's movable things. Yes, but I mean, like, come on, like a dog, get your life together. Yeah. Um, I think (laughs) dogs are great. Yeah, I think that's um, it's it's kind of like refocusing the image as you get older and it is a lot yes. easier maybe that is why it's easier to date when you're young because you don't give a shit when you're you don't know you just want to have yourself. fun with people yeah you're you're seeking out people who make you happy in that moment and also i think there's just something me and sam talk about this a lot where like you're just way more willing to like be hella uncomfortable to hang out with your friends when you're like in your early 20s like you're willing to all crash on the floor at somebody's house yeah. but when you do like obviously now we have uber so it's different but it's also i think it's the same type of changing 
changing your standards and changing what you are and aren't okay with because now it's like, nah, dude, I'll leave the hour early yeah. just to get home because, like, I'm not going to do that. I'm I not going to do I that. I will no longer wear the high heels or the tight dresses or get drunk to the point I'm throwing up or go to a sweaty-ass club oh, and dance yes. around strangers. Yeah. Like, maybe it's just me being a cantankerous older person. No, I don't... But I think it's me realizing that those things are not They're as not your fulfilling yeah. as being at home in my fluffy slippers. <clears throat> exactly. And that's the thing, too, is, like, I've also realized, like, yeah, I do like to go out, but there's never been a time that I've... Literally, yesterday was the first time I thought it to myself, and it's because I was, like, with those friends where I was like, oh, I'd like to go dancing. I haven't gone dancing in a really long yeah. time. That would be super fun, but we also know that, like, the environments that we've created for that are not the... Like, they're just... They're gross. They make us feel gross, and there's a reason all of us want to go, and we want to go dancing, and a lot of us don't do that. I just think that even that um, that type of distinction is easy to make where, like, I just figured out, like, no, oh, I don't really like clubs. I do like, I like dive bars. I do like to go out. There's just certain scenarios that I want to go out in. So it's not even, I don't think you're cranky because I know you like to go out, but just, obviously I don't want to go to a club either. I'm going to be picky about my time, exactly. though. Exactly. I, mean, I value my time so much more now that I'm... Because you understand it Yes. Better. I've spent the time doing stuff I don't want to do, and I've learned the power of saying no. Yes. And, like, the pleasure I get from saying no to things I don't want to do. Yeah. And just, like, how the world doesn't implode when I say no, or my friends stop being my friends because I say no, and I'm honest about what I want to do. There was a time you and I were supposed to hang out, and I texted you, and I said, listen... I want to sit at home in sweatpants. I feel like crap. Can we reschedule? And you went, I appreciate the honesty. Yes. It was so nice. It was like, oh, thank God. Cool. Yeah, because I started realizing that, like, okay, we, we all went, well, we're just going to admit it. From 2008 to 2012, some of you are still in this phase. I'm not going to even fucking lie about it. There was a phase where all of us were being such, not all of us like me and you, I mean all of us, like our whole generation, were being such shitty flakes. There was nothing you could show up to that anybody would show up to. People, like, there would be, like, 10 to 15. That's still 1,000% happening. Exactly. So much today. All the time. Exactly. But I think that it's making it so much easier to acknowledge it and cut those people out of your life. Exactly. Because the thing is, you... Value my time the way I value my time because I'm valuing your time. By even just... Giving you my time. Do you even understand how valuable my time is to me for me to even give you this afternoon? Yeah. And that's, I know that's yours is too. That's thing that bothers me where I'm just like, I know your time is valuable too. Exactly. So I just, <laughs> I just think too, like maybe that's like a relic of like pre-25 of like not really knowing like how important it is. Even that hour that you waste figuring out if your friend is going to text you back or not or if you should make other plans. Yeah. That's the hour that I started getting so frustrated about where I was like, I'm not going to do this to people anymore. And I started... Just telling people, I was like, you know what? I'm going to just be on it. There's nothing for me to feel bad about if my mental health or my physical strength or my exhaustion for the day does not put me in a position to to have a good time with you or fulfill what I said I was going to do with you. That sucks and I'm really sorry. But it is ten times worse to just fucking ghost somebody. Yeah. Like, just... Yeah. Or or do the thing where like you don't text them for a full fucking day. Like you just started dating this person and you don't have the you don't have the decency to text them for a full day or two and then you pop out of nowhere like, "Oh, sorry, I was busy." It's like, "Fuck you, dude. So was I, but I still made the 20 seconds to write you a nice text." That's the, that's also what kills me about when people say busy in 2019. So I'm just like, "I saw you were on Snapchat. You were on Snapchat for 6 hours." So it's just yeah. like it's like those types of things where like, "I'm not telling you what to do with your time. I'm just saying if you wanted to prioritize me in your time, you would." And that's yes. an important thing that you also learn as you get older. 
um, you are going to know what people want to spend time with you because they are going to make it a priority to spend time yeah. with you. I always find it so ironic that if I'm, let's say I'm dating and some guy does that to me, they, they can't text me for a day or two. And I just, I stop caring at that point. It's like, no, we're in this new phase of like learning about each other where this should be nurtured and like, you can send me a text you don't that have any questions ten- to ask me yeah. over two days. <laughs> yeah, like, you can't be like, hey, I'm with my family. I'd really like to engage with them. Like, I'll text you tomorrow. Cool. Peace out. Have a good time. Also, even if you had gotten a text at the beginning of those two days and been like, hey, my uncle's in town for the next couple of days. I'm going to be MIA touch and go because, you know, I'm showing my family around and I'm just going to be busy. I hope you're well. Please text me when you have time. Yeah. It's just not hard to be honest with people and tell them where you're at. Yeah. If you can't respect me the way that I'm respecting you, then this this relationship is not really worth my time. I'm I'm better suited engaging with someone else who's going to engage with me the same way. Yeah. And it's so funny that I'll be like, all right, you know, peace out, whatever. And I'll, I'll give very short answers or like I'll be blunt about it. Be like, listen, dude, you didn't text me for two days. I think that's pretty rude. I'm not really into this anymore. And they get so offended or, like, start blowing me up. And it's like, bro, you had your chance. It doesn't take very long to send, like, a hello, I'm busy. Thank you. I think (laughs) that's the thing, too, is, like, I'm not telling you to drop what you're doing and come be my best friend. I know we just met. I'm just saying, if you want me to think that you care about this, maybe acknowledge it once over enough time for somebody to have a goddamn weekend. You know what I mean? Or you know what's really (laughs) cool? People who still are down to talk on the phone. That is... It is such an efficient way to touch base with someone yeah. and hear their voice, and it's so personal, and I appreciate people who can talk on the phone so much more than yeah. texters. I mean, I text a lot, don't get me wrong, yeah. but if you can call me and just like do a quick little, hey, here's what's going on, I'm looking forward to seeing you next time, whatever, yeah. goodbye. Yeah, like, I think, Okay, that fulfills me. And okay. I think it's honestly, um, I know maybe we're becoming actual old people because I know that a lot of younger kids are still on the like, don't call me, we don't call each other thing. Because I am very much on that. When yeah, I get over number, that, it's so nice. When, no, no, no. I'm well. That's I'm agreeing with you. But I mean, overall, in general, when like when you see a number you don't know, and you're just like, why are you calling me? I don't know who you are. <laughs> like true. I literally always look at my phone. Like it's the same as like when somebody knocks on my door, and I forget that in the '90s that's what doors were for, and like you were allowed to knock on doors and like send people phone calls. It's like that's how you, and that's that's what a cold call was. Yes. You literally just. Took a shot and did it, right? That's, before Twitter, that was shooting your shot, all right? Yeah. Just fucking, so I think it kills me now when I do have those friends that I love those phone calls with. It's, it's, it's almost makes me feel silly for wasting a lot of time not calling people. But at the same time, I realize, like, not everybody is somebody that you want to, like, have a full phone conversation with. It's, like, the type of person yeah. that you are going to check in with. It's somebody that yeah. you want to be like, hey, I wanted to know how you were doing, like, faster than it would have been to, like, text you. Like, what are yeah. you been up to? I think those are, like, really good indicators of, in 2019, of, like, a strong relationship. Yeah, maybe for me, it's that text conversations take so long, and I hate being on my phone for that long. Mm -hmm. And also, you can be so witty and clever when you're in text. Like, Mm -hmm. I am on my game when when it comes to text. Oh, yeah. But on the phone, I get to hear the real you. I get to hear, like, the... I'm going to stammer and make this terrible dad joke and I'm going to yeah. I'm going to eat it up. Like, yeah. I love the the phone banter. You're going to hear me snort when I laugh. Yeah. You're going to hear me forget my thought three times. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get distracted I, by a dog probably. I appreciate the authenticity of a phone call over texting. No, I especially nowadays. I think it's it's just more rare like you're saying. Yeah. It's uh, I don't know. It's kind of funny how rare it's gotten. Yeah. 
So a really funny thing that I did not know about uh, the term rebound, because I'm assuming it has, it's like sports related, obviously, because sure. you know, it's like a rebound shot. Um, the, the earliest record I found for it was in, in the 1830s, Mary Russell Mitford was a writer, and she wrote, this is just a quote from her, it was, nothing so easy as catching a heart on the rebound. And first of all, what a cold-hearted bitch. <laughs> yeah. And second of all, yeah. 1830. Can you not marry? I know, marry like. Stay in your lane. Honestly, like not so loud, Mary. Like <laughs> quiet the fuck down over there back in the fucking 1830s. Oh man, and she was a woman writer too. She was all sorts of That's scandalous. what kills me. I'm just like, all right, I gotta know more about this person. This woman can read but I also the audacity. Was, I, <laughs> honestly, I was honest, I was just really shocked that it's not that people weren't in relationships in the 1830s. I obviously knew they were, but, like, it doesn't seem like it would have been such a casual dating concept that... But maybe it doesn't... It didn't matter. Maybe, like, your courtships could have been rebounded, too. I don't know much about the 1830s, but I I picture, like, Romeo and Juliet stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's far enough back, but, yeah. Yeah, so, um, Mary Russell Mitford was an author. Uh, She was born in uh, Hampshire, best known for Our Village, a series of sketches of village scenes. (laughs) All right. I think you were best known for the rebound comment, TBH, Mary Russell, but that's just me. You bitch. You bitch. <laughs> go, paint, go paint some more villages. Yeah, go paint some more villages, you fucking dick. You, you heart catcher. You heart catching bitch. I feel bad. I don't know anything about Mary Russell Mitford other than what I'm reading about her right now, and she might be a really nice person. She might have been the one. Who was getting caught on the rebound? We don't even know. What if she got taken advantage of? Yeah. This is why I gotta watch myself. So how about people that um, seek out rebounders? Do you think that's possible? Or do you think there's really no way to tell? Absolutely. Yes? Um, only because of like something like Wedding Crashers. It oh, okay. just reminds me that there are people... I don't... I, I wouldn't say actively like, oh, I'm gonna go like, I'm hunting for that. But I do know there's always those people, you know them too, who like... What part of the thing, like part of the reason they're hitting up somebody they kind of have a crush on that they just saw get out of a relationship is, and I always hear people say this, it's like, well, yep, and they're on the rebound because, like, that somehow means that people are going to soften or lower their standards because they're hurt. Which, yeah. if you think about the psychology of that, is pretty fucked up because, like, what you're saying is, I don't have enough self confidence in myself, so I'm going to take this opportunity to approach this person while they're having a very weak moment because that makes me feel like I might have a better chance. It's like seeking out a, a very drunk person at a bar. Yes. It's very predatory. It is. Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't even think about it like that, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. It's seeking out a weak link of the pack. It's seeking somebody out not for who they are, but for something that it's literally, yeah, like, oh, that's the wildebeest with the limp. He's going to be the... A fulfillment. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So what's your general overarching just idea of, of rebounds? Generally disagree, let people um, live their lives, so, try to be transparent about it. So I think one of the things I took away from the research from this is that I thought that I was very anti-rebound, and this made me realize that if you are... Um, well, I, I don't think that it's healthy if you're not honest with the person about it, sure. but I just never considered that there would be an upside, and I never considered that there are the types of rebounds that are, like, the person really knowing they're ready for another relationship. I do think that's rare, mm-hmm. but I, I think I took away a more positive idea of them than I had to begin with, because when, yeah. when we first started this, I was like, oh, it's, it's a coping mechanism, there's nothing else to it. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Um, I think that everyone is 
entitled to determine their own timeline and determine what they want to do with their lives. I do think that if you're knowingly seeking out people just to fulfill a need that you have and not having the intention of, you know, giving back what they want, say they're seeking out an actual relationship and you're just seeking out someone to buy you dinner and make you orgasm, that's pretty unfair of you. Yeah. But I think that um, nobody's the same and that if this is how you get over things, this is how you manage what you're feeling, this is how you process what you're feeling, this is how you give yourself hope that there's other people out there that that aren't going to break your heart, if this is how you move forward from your heartbreak, then that's your, that's your choice, that's your entitlement, that's, that's what you should be doing, and I'm, I am no right to judge that, I have no place to say one way or the other on that, I think that it's really different for each people, and just as long as you're aware of what you're doing to other people, and you're not trying to hurt others, then... Do you think? Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think, too, there's, um, it's really easy to think that you know where people are coming from because you have your outlook, but I think something that we forget is, like, other people sometimes, um, take relationships less seriously. There's people who take them as, like, they really do take them as companionship, and they take, they take that rebound as, like, oh, I'm gonna have more relationships and get to know people. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, honestly, what it really comes down to, I think, is you being present you being honest, and you being compassionate to other people. Because if you're doing those things, no matter what you do, you're not really... Like, just don't try and hurt people, and don't try and use people as a means to an end, and I don't think there's anything that's inherently negative about it. I don't think it's negative to seek out what you might need in a relationship by looking for it. So there's not really any other... There's not really any other way. Yeah. Does that make sense? I feel like it's a necessary... But that's, that's that's my takeaway. Rebounds are a necessary evil. Yeah, I think that's but there's how a ste- there's it. step two though. There's a step one before oh, okay. that of yeah figuring out yourself and where you're at. Okay, yeah, that's a big first step for me to skip because I think a big thing that uh, a big reason we're doing this is I think that you and I both have a lot of like self awareness and emotional intelligence that we can approach objectively. Yeah. Um, for a lot of people uh, that I know, that is not the case, and it makes yeah. it... Re- if you can't step away from yourself even just a little bit to ask yourself, okay, why am I doing this? Yeah. It's, getting to that second step is going to be yeah. virtually impossible. If you can if you can seek this out and know that the judgment of others is still going to be pushed on you because people are going to judge you whether you like it or not. No matter what you're doing. human exactly. nature. Um, they're going to see you out of a relationship in X amount of time and have judgments about it. If you can move past that and not let that bother you, then I think you're in a pretty good place. But if you're hearing those things and it's really pissing you off or it's really getting to you, maybe that's an indication maybe that... they're hitting a nerve. Like, you have a reaction to that for a reason. Yeah. And I think it's important to acknowledge that. Absolutely. Because if it is affecting you, because that's the thing, is like, it really, what do you think of your behavior? Yeah. If what other people think of your behavior is bothering you that much, is that maybe because it's making you think about it and you don't want to confront it? Because the big thing I took away in counseling is that like, oh, a lot of my like aggression is literally self-defense and anytime, and by aggression I mean anger, because that was one thing I was like, I don't like being an angry person, why am I angry? And she very simply was just kind of like... You know, uh, anger for you seems to be like a self-defense mechanism because if you're feeling anxious about something, if you're going to get upset, you can protect yourself because you can lash out. So if you're going to get mad at people and say like, oh, well, they're talking shit about me and they're doing this and that, like maybe, maybe they just are seeing what you're not seeing because you're too close to it. Yeah. And it really hurts to hear the truth sometimes. It does. I will say one last thing though is that there's a in my mind, personally, a big difference between rebounding and cheating. And I think rebounding is a state of 
there's an underlying uneasiness about it and you know that like deep down in your gut that something's not right and dating is where you feel open to all of it okay and you feel like okay this is welcoming like I'm, I'm wanting this I'm inviting this into my life yeah whereas kind of like rebounding you're, you're seeking out things that aren't necessarily making you feel a thousand percent all the time and you kind of like we talked about earlier even if you don't know why you're doing it part of you feels it Yes. Part of you probably knows something is off. Yeah. Yeah. There's, my mom taught me this thing uh, a number of years ago that I always rely on when I'm trying to make a big decision or when I'm thinking, like, evaluating parts of my life, and that is the second you wake up in the morning, if you think about that thing and it has a positive thought behind it or feeling, because typically when you wake up, you're in, like, your purest state of mind, right? Yeah. There's no other the train of thought that happened that day coming in. you're coming into this new situation like fresh right off right off of sleep yeah if you think about it and it makes you sick to your stomach then it's a huge indicator that it's a negative thing but if you wake up and you get really excited about it it's the first thing you think about then that's usually a really good sign and i've that's i've beautiful i've used that for so many things like having a new roommate move in or take accepting a job if i think about it and immediately i get really excited about it it's typically a pretty good thing that's really cool that's a because then you, it's literally trusting your instincts. Yeah, it's, it's literally sleeping on it, you know? Well, not literally, but it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. sleeping on it, and then you know you're going to wake... If it's a big decision, you're waking up and you're immediately thinking about it. That's true. And as, like, it, as your d- thoughts for the day filter in, and you're just kind of like, oh, wait, yes! And that yeah. first thought, the first instinct that you have of that feeling, that's a really good instinct to trust, I would yeah. think. I think it's typically pretty pretty pure. Yeah. So I you asked me, and I don't know if I asked you what your general takeaway is, or did you give me one? Um, no. Yeah. I think, I think I said something to the effect of, um, do what you need to do to heal and to process and move forward as long as you're not hurting anyone else and it's the right thing for you. You absolutely did say that. Yeah. So I'm going to cut this part out. Okay. Fucking pay attention, Dana. (laughs) Fucking listen. Anything else? I don't think so. I was looking at this, but I don't think there's anything else. Um, differs. Rebound relationship is when you're in. It'll help literally rewrite your neural pathways. That one blew my fucking mind. Um, So do you want to wrap up with like sentence to your rebound stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's basically all I have to say. Do you have anything else to add? No, I think we can wrap up. um, Unless you have some rebound stories that you'd like to share with us. No, I think I've erased those from my, you know, <laughs> control, delete, rebounds yes. from my memory yes. right now. Yes, okay, but I would like to hear any listener rebound stories, especially if there are, if there are ones you want to share, I definitely want to hear yeah. them. Yeah, giving and receiving for that, that story. Yay. If you've been a rebounder, you've been rebounded, we want to hear them. Tell us your stories. This is Uncomfortable Podcast at Gmail. We're also on Instagram. We didn't do a story this week for this episode. Oh, we but didn't. We'll, pull, we'll post one after. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll do one for next one, too. It's at This is Uncomfortable Podcast. So, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Find us there. We appreciate you. Get comfy. Love you. Bye.